Welcome to another episode of Chic Compass Connection. This podcast will give you a glimpse into the window of the popular Chic Compass magazine, where we feature art, music, design, fashion, dining, and all things chic for the culture-starved audiences of the world. To view our magazine online, visit chiccompass.com. That's C-H-I-C-C-O-M-P-A-S-S dot com. We would also like to thank The Vegas Room in the Historic Commercial Center in Las Vegas, Nevada for inviting us to their supper club to broadcast our show. I'm your host, Jamie Hosmer. Let's introduce today's guest. Mike and Durette Candido are husband and wife living in Las Vegas, Nevada. Durette is an interior designer and the owner of Urban Ranch General Store in Las Vegas. The store specializes in hand-selected, artful, and sustainable details for homes and boutique hospitality projects. Mike is a professional drummer, educator, performer, and singer, and is best known for his versatility and love of working in many of the more sophisticated musical settings, from jazz, R&B, rock, Latin, pop, and funk, to country. Mike and Durette, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Thank you. We're doing good. Thank you. All right, so, Durette, I want to start with you, only because we are sitting in your beautiful store that is so comfortable to sit in. I feel like we could just sit here all day drinking espresso and uh, just chatting, right? That's right. Espresso, wine, whatever you want. Yes, perfect. Tell Tell us a little bit about this place. Um, Urban Ranch is uh, just something that I wanted to do that I love. I wanted to um, sort of merge um, my outdoor upbringing in Santa Fe, New Mexico with the urbanness of Las Vegas. And uh, because you can always mix those two design genres, I love modern and rustic. Uh, So I opened up a uh, an interior design showroom, and I sell lighting and hardware and accessories and have full-service interior design. Fantastic. So who would be a typical customer of yours? Um, my typical customer is, well, anyone really who wants to I- improve their home. I do a lot of um, whole houses from the ground up. Um, but also uh, whole house remodels. And even if you just, I just finished a project where we just renovated uh, a master bath and that was it. So, Wow. So you are available for hire for any number of things. Someone is building a house. Yes. They could contact you. Yes. And you would take that project from start to finish. That's correct. Wow. That's fantastic. Yes, I'm architecturally trained, but I ended up in the interior design field just um, by happenstance with the jobs and things that I did out of school. When I was in architectural school, I was so excited and I thought I would be designing um, big steel and glass buildings. And when I got out of school and realized that Um, When you're working in those sorts of corporate projects, you never really meet the client. You're only working on your budget. And I'm a people person. So um, I I enjoy the challenge of 
making sure Mr. Jones and Mrs. Jones love their home when it's finished. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, so you mentioned uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yes. That's where you're from? That's where I grew up. You grew up there? Mm-hmm. I grew up in New Mexico, yes. And you went to school there? Yes. Design school? Design school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, 50 miles south. Okay. And then you came back here and started your own firm. Well, um, I met this Italian guy in Santa Fe. (laughs) And after we were married, we decided that we didn't want to stay there. Um, And we sort of had two choices of where to move um, here or New York City for what he does for his profession. And so we ended up in Las Vegas. Okay, well, let's let's take that and let's move over to your husband, Mike, who is a professional drummer, of course. And now we know that you were in Santa Fe. That's where the two of you met. Are you, you where did you grow up, Mike? Uh, I grew up in uh, New York. Okay. And uh, moved to Santa Fe, ended up in Santa Fe because I had a uh, car accident in New York, had to move where it was hot and dry. Okay. Uh, very quickly, I had a lot of nerve damage, joint damage, being a drummer, that's, that's not cool. So wow. I moved to, uh, Tucson, Arizona. I have family there, lived with family there. I got a call to go to Santa Fe, uh, recommended through a good friend of mine, uh, uh Steve Gadd, uh, went there for three months to play a show with a great singer, Lori Janier, and ended up there for about 10 years. Really? Yeah. So st- you kind of glossed over the the Steve Gad. Uh, Steve Gad, the drummer, is a good friend of yours. Yes. So for our listeners who don't know who Steve Gad is, just give a, a quick couple sentences on the impact Steve Gad has had to music and drumming. Steve Gad is probably one of the um, most recognizable names in drumming who who has worked with. Uh, I can't begin to list, list, list the names. But, it's endless, uh, right? It, they've heard them. If, if, they've, if they've heard uh, anything by... Um, well, probably his most famous is 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Say, yeah, Paul the drumbeat Simon, right, is yeah. Steve Gadd, yeah, right? Yeah. He just worked with James Taylor here in mm-hmm. town. Yep. He's played with everybody. Everybody. Um, and how do you know Steve from New York? From New York, yeah, just uh, New York. We used to hang out at a um, place called McKell's and uh, you know Seventh Avenue South and all that stuff. And uh, tell us, how, how did you get your start in drumming? I got my start in drumming very young. I used to uh, I used to sing around the house and, and and drum on things. I still have my parents' uh, floor floor model old radio. Wow. And I used to climb up on the ottoman and, and play in the center of it because it sounded so great when my, when my favorite songs are on. And um, my brother Frank and um, used to set up pots and pans around the house and uh, uh, didn't go well on the Italian table. You know, my mother had the wooden spoon, so I couldn't do that too long there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was cool, you know, and... Uh, uh, my sister Carmela brought me my first snare drum. My brother Nick bought me my first cymbal. So and it was like a pieced together yeah, yeah. drum set. Right. A yeah. little bit of this, a little bit of that. Exactly. Yeah. So when yeah. did you 
you know, once you actually started playing and gigging, mm-hmm. uh, at what point did you decide, I'm going to do this for a living? When did that come? Well, I always knew I wanted to do that. Okay. From an early age. Um, it came because I was going to be a police officer. All my friends are police officers, uh, detectives in New York and, uh, and Santa Fe also. And, uh, wow. So I actually took the test for New York, but then at the same time, I, th- I was, let me say, I just graduated. So I was, uh, well, the next year I was like, like 18. And a friend of mine from a group called the Exciters, they had a big hit call. Tell me, they said, uh, Wilson Pickett's looking for a drummer. He, the way you play, you need to go and audition, which I did. So um, I got the audition. There were 20 drummers there waiting at, uh, was a place on Broadway in New York called, um, uh, I'll think of it in a minute, Lloyd Price Turntable. It was the club. And uh, Don King, they were all friends, Pickett, all that stuff. So I went there to audition. Anyway, out of, out of, I was like the 21st guy to play, the last guy, but I got the gig. And so at that point, I decided, well, am I going to become a cop or am I going to become a musician? So I became a musician. Well, I would think if you get, <laughs> if you get a gig with Wilson Pickett, right? Yeah. That's probably going to be your answer, right? That was my answer, yeah. I think I'm going to take the gig with Wilson Pickett. <laughs> that's a great story. Yeah. It's, that's a great yeah. story. And so did you spend... <clears throat> You know, from that point on, was it a lot of touring? Um, you know, how many years between then and when you moved to Santa Fe? Oh, well, a lot of years. Uh, I moved to Santa Fe in, uh, I think it was 92, 93. Okay. Uh, like to, to do this show that, uh, with uh, Lori Janeer. But in between that, uh, after uh, Pickett's gig, I did uh, Sam and Dave... Uh, I did uh, worked with the Spinners, the OJs. Wow. Um, Patty LaBelle, okay. Roberta Flack, a lot of jazz artists. Uh, I did a little bit with Benson, um, George Benson, and uh, Tommy Flanagan. Wow, a lot of huge names. Um, so, uh, uh, Stanley Turrentine. I love Stanley. I miss him. Wow. Were you in George but, Benson's band the same time as Ronnie Foster? No, I was not. Okay. But I knew of Ronnie, and I okay. met Ronnie here and there on, on, on different gigs. And I, I don't know if he would remember me or not, but I, but I do remember him. He probably yeah. would. Yeah. You know, he lives in town here. Yeah, I know he does. Yeah. yeah. I haven't run into him yet. But. Interesting. <laughs> so interesting. Um, okay. So you two end up meeting in Santa Fe, and how did that happen? Okay. <laughs> Well, um, I, in the evenings, I had a professional dance studio, so I would design all day and then teach dance okay, in wait the a evenings. Minute. We have to back up now, <laughs> because this is a whole other thing that I had no idea. You have a history of dance. Yes. Uh, okay. Was this something you, did you want, were you a dancer? Did you want to be a dancer as a kid? It just sort of happened. I used to love to dance, um, partner dancing. I was never a ballet dancer or jazz dancer, but I loved partner dancing, country western dancing, ballroom dancing, Latin dancing, swing. Um, Always really, really loved it. And um, I took professional lessons and I just had, I had the 
knack in my brain that I could do the man's part. I mean, it, it just sort of evolved that I became an instructor and then opened up a studio part-time and uh, I loved it. You know, it's a great um, stress reducer. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful, safe thing to do with other people. Um, it, 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 it's just fabulous. Dancing is fabulous. And it's also great for children, for self-esteem. Um, it, it's just amazing. And so, it's great to get people moving, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you, so you opened this dance studio and you said part-time. Mm-hmm. Now, is this at the same time you are also an interior designer? That's correct. I would work all day and then go to the studio at night and I would um, teach. Or if I wasn't teaching classes, um, I was out dancing, uh, always taking a group of students out dancing. Because I taught social dancing. It wasn't, you know, we weren't performing or anything, although I did that. But uh, for the most part, um, uh, we went out, you know, to social dance. And of course, I would support live music. So wherever there was a band, um, we would go dancing. Um, And he was always the drummer in the band. <laughs> and it was so weird because, you know, one night we'd say, okay, it's Thursday night, you know, this club has um, country western, let's go country western dance. Friday night, well, this band, you know, this club has Latin music, let's go do Latin dancing. And and Saturday afternoons at Vanessi's, you know, it's a piano bar, there would be like ballroom dancing. And everywhere that we went, Mike there was he the was. drummer for all of them. So for six years, we just saw each other, but never had, never even really spoke to each other except for hello. Just for like, hey, good to see yeah. you, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's how we met, but didn't really speak to one another until six years had gone by and we were both at a mutual friend's holiday party. And then finally... Yeah. Yes, and sparks flew. And well, you know, it wasn't like sparks. It was well, maybe it was sparks for him. I'll let him say that. But for me, it was like I had always been with him from the very first date that we had. We were together. It was like just this it was comfort so, factor. Yeah, yeah. This is just so right, and we just belong together. So yeah. Did you want to elaborate? Yeah, you pretty much uh, told it like it was, but um, we we had. Uh, I asked her to. Um, I said some friends. I I called her her machine. We had machines back then. <laughs> yeah. And uh, after our after the meeting at our mutual friend's house, and I said, uh, I don't know if you like jazz or not, but some friends of mine are playing down at the plaza, and it happened to be. Uh, Eddie Daniels and um, John Patitucci was down there, and um, uh, Herbie, Herbie Mann. Yeah. And, and, uh, that was Herbie Hancock, no? No, that, was, that, that particular one was Herbie Mann before, before he passed. But, uh, so anyway, I asked, her, I asked her machine if she liked jazz, if she would like to go. I said, some friends of mine are playing down at the plaza, blah, blah, blah. So she called my machine, and she says, I, I happen to love jazz. And I would, I would love to go. And that went on for two weeks because he's a musician. <laughs> and so 
he would call me in the middle of the afternoon when he got up and I would be at work. And, you know, we didn't have cell phones. And so I would return his call when I got home and got the message. I would return his call uh, first thing in the morning and he was asleep. And so, so it took machines, a minute for you yeah. guys to actually set a date and connect. Yeah, it took about a minute and a half, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, so this is really interesting because the two of you are in very different fields, but at the same time, there's a lot of similarities. Music and, and design and art and it's all creative, right? It's all in the creative space. So I'd love to take a little bit of time and talk about, let's talk about creativity for a minute. Um, Mike, when you're playing or singing or even teaching, you teach drums, correct? Yes. At what point does the, the theory and the technique stop and you just kind of allow your creativity to come through. Like, what does creativity mean for you in what you do? And what I do? Well, um, I have this thing, and I kind of uh, developed it. And I have spoke to uh, Jack D. Jeanette about this uh, in depth, actually, because I relate so much to his playing, his jazz playing. That Jack uh, D. Jeanette, another a legendary drummer. Oh, yeah. He's the cat. Jack's the cat. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, I do this. I do this thing when I um, I sit in the room uh, behind my drum set, or you know, and uh, I close my eyes. And uh, I I did this at a, the Santa Fe. There's a, there was a a music festival called the Drum is the Voice. The tree is the drum of the voice, I think it's called uh, Equinox. It was in Santa Fe. And I was invited. I was the only drummer from the United States that was there at this particular time. I didn't want to come out and do a drum solo. So I explained this theory, which I'm going to tell you now, is what I do is I sit down, I close my eyes, I just meditate for a while, and I open my eyes. And I see whatever I see in front of me. I said... Um, Okay, how would I how would I play that? How would I execute that musically on my instrument or my instruments? Just you know, it's drums aren't just one instrument; mm -hmm. it's it's a bunch of. So I'll say okay. So it has a texture. It's got a shape. It's got a color. You know, it's a form. It's connected to something in that room. Your eye can connect it to whatever you want to connect it to. So you start playing it. How would you interpret it? So you start playing. What I do is my eye, let's say a book on a shelf, you, you play the book, you follow the book from the bottom of the shelf to the top, you make a left, you play the shelf up to the ceiling, you go across the ceiling, and here again, you go down the wall, you, oh, you might jump on that light right there and play that light fixture, or you might uh, uh, or jump to that table. How would you play the leg on that table? And that leads you to the floor, oh, into the carpet, look at all those colors. So here again, everything has a form, a shape, a texture, a color. That's what I do for creativity. That's very cool. Other than listen to Miles every morning. <laughs> <laughs> for inspiration, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, I love that answer uh, because it sounds to me like you are sort of letting go of your 
you know, yourself dictating, this is what I'm going to do. And you're sort of allowing something to come in and sort of direct that. Is that kind of correct? That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. It, yeah. You, um, you put your stel- yourself in, um, it's like some, some jazz situations you're in where you're really playing. I mean, where you, you know, you get into the state of alpha, um, and, uh, here again, I talked to Jack about this too, and th- that's why I relate to him so much because that's where he goes. He calls it something else, but I call it the state of alpha. And you're you're kind of like on overdrive, even though you know exactly what's going on, what you're doing, and what everybody else. Where's one? It's, well, it's right here, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's um, you do open yourself up because, um, and when you open yourself up that way, there's like an an abundant, what's the term I'm looking for? Cornucopia of information that comes in. Okay. For and lack would of that, a better term. Would that be similar to a sports athlete saying, who says, I was in the zone? You know, where they're, they, they say they, so, yeah. they're really not thinking. You right. know, things are just happening. The yeah. game slows down. And it just, everything just kind of happens. I would say that's, that's, uh, that's a good analogy. Yeah, ah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so Durrett, I want to ask you sort of the same question about about creativity. Uh, I would imagine in your field, what you do, you obviously have to take your clients' ideas. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then you have to kind of transfer them onto, onto paper and then into physical form. And how does that, how does that take shape? And how do you feel that you can add your own creativity to really bring their ideas to life. Well, that mm, <clears throat> that's a lot of questions. It's a lot of questions. You um, can take as many or none of them if you'd like. For, uh, you know, creatively speaking, I've always been creative and um, in a lot of areas of my life. So I've always had to sort of try and focus and channel onto one thing at a time. Mm. I dance, I sew, I, I, you know, I do crafts, I do mixed media, I paint, I draw, I, you know, See, now all, we all could, of that this is stuff. a whole other area that um, I did not know. You're, you're a bona fide artist as well. Yeah, all of that happens within me, but when I'm dealing with interior design, um, and like I discussed before, I do, um, 90% of what I do uh, is residential work. So I'm dealing with people. And um, I feel like the most important part of my job is to listen. So um, most of the time, people know what they don't want more than what they do want. And so you have to listen um, and sort of figure out where they're going and what makes them comfortable so that the end result um, becomes their home. Uh, and, you know, that's a challenge. Yeah, um, I could see that. And I love that creative challenge, um, and it's very gratifying at the end. Um, how, how, do, how do you get to the end uh, so that you know your clients are going to be happy? Is it through... Uh, drawings? Is it through, you know, samples of products? And how how does that vision come to life? What's the process? 
Um, process is, uh, I guess, um, talking and listening, you know, having conversations. Um, then, yes, I do, um, you know, take measurements, pictures, depending on the project. And uh, then, yes, I create drawings. And I still, even though everything's online these days, I'm a very tactile person, so I still draw ink on mylar and love it. Um, and even though everyone is looking at 3D this, 3D that, and HGTV, and I can still communicate um, my ink on mylar drawings to to a client, which is great. Yeah. Um, and I, I typically um, will give a client two, three, sometimes four different thoughts or ideas of how we should um, look at their project. And then they will fall in love with parts of it, you know, and we sort of maybe take one from one piece and one from another and, and ultimately combine it in the end with what they like. And then it begins to evolve. It takes a, a life of its own. And we pull out samples. Well, you can see this is a house I have here on the table. Um, so then we pull out uh, samples of, of surfaces that we're going to uh, put into the space and from, you know, everything that's attached then to also uh, soft surfaces, uh, rugs, furniture, art, uh, light fixtures, things like that. Every detail. Every detail, yeah. Every detail, okay. So so the two of you meet in Santa Fe and, uh, you know, you start dating. And uh, how long was, how long until you, you decided to get married? Well, we dated for a year. Um, Michael Joseph, uh, that's what I call him, Michael Joseph. Michael Joseph proposed to me in front of his family on Christmas morning. Aww. And we we were engaged for almost a year. We got married the following October. Did you get married in Santa Fe? We got married in Santa Fe. Um, it was quite the affair. People still talk about it. We did the entire wedding and reception ourselves, 250 people. Wow. And you still made it to the wedding. We made it to the wedding. Yeah. Did you want to, did you want to talk? Oh, I, I thought you were handing that to me. I was going to say, yeah, she, she's right. Cause she made all the, um, uh, tablecloths, napkins, uh, out of all this Italian uh, fabric that she had. And e each table was totally different, you know, and we, uh, we cooked all the food basically ourselves because we, we wanted everybody to have real Italian food. You cooked the food for the yes. wedding yourself. Yes. And made the tablecloths. Yes, all of our friends' freezers were full because uh, we were forever running around town. Could you please freeze this till October? <laughs> all these people riding around Santa Fe, every once in a while, they go down this block and they smell garlic. Because we had, we had garlic all over town. We, you know, we made over, I don't know how many thousands of meatballs and uh, uh, Italian sausage. The bread came from back east. And, uh, uh, and Michael's brother made the sauce. Yeah, he made about 20, 30 gallons of sauce. Oh, my goodness. My brother Nick, yeah. 
So Santa Fe, people are still talking about this wedding. It was over 20 years ago. As a matter of fact, we just went back a couple of years ago and renewed our, our vows. Oh. Yeah. 20 years. Yeah. In the same spot that same you got married? Same spot, yeah. Same church, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So it's been 20 years. Mm-hmm. Well, now 22, right? Yeah. Yeah. 22 years. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. So Mike, you've done, obviously, a lot of, you've worked with a lot of big big names. Um, which ones stand out as not, not just the, um, the most talented groups of people you work with, what stands out as the most fun you've had playing music? And I'm sure there's a lot of those times, but I think, it, I think it's got to be everyone I worked with. I had so much fun. I mean, it's, it's, um, I'm going to interrupt a little bit and say you have to talk about how much fun you're having with the group you're with now. Oh, well, that, that goes without saying. Well, let's, talk, let's go there then. Well, the last uh, 16 years I've been with uh, Gary Puckett in the Union Gap. Okay. And uh, it's just the greatest. It's just the greatest. Um, Gary is um, such a talented cat. He's just, and he sounds great. He sounds great. And um, what you see is what you get with him. He's so honest. He's just so, there's no pretense there. And that's the same with the other guys in the group. Uh, Woody Lingle on bass and Jamie Hillbolt on uh, keyboards. And these guys are like geniuses. They really are. I mean, I'm honored to work with these guys. And um, yeah, but we have so much fun. That's a beautiful thing when you are able to be with a group of people and there's, you know, there's no um, pretense. There's no big ego in the way. You just all know how to work together. They're the same people that you would sit around the table and have dinner with. Exactly. Right? That's, that's, you know, that's the, the most beautiful experience I think that you can have. Yeah. You're right, Jamie. All right. You're going to add and something? I just have to say it's pretty special um, being married to Michael Joseph and having Gary Puckett call you on your birthday and sing happy birthday to you. How cool, How is, cool that? is that? That is pretty cool. That is. is pretty is. cool. So, Durrett, what about you? Do you any experiences, uh, uh, business relationships or, or designs that you've done in your life that really stand out as, this was so much fun or I am just so proud of this? What stands out? Oh, gosh. I don't know. <sighs> Lots of things stand out. Um, I think any time a, a client calls me or texts me and says, I love my, I love my house, I love my home, that um, is my ultimate goal. Um, and you get that years after your projects are <laughs> I have to say that. I'm, I bet, I'm, and that's special. I'm very proud of lots of different things. Uh, last year, I, I made um, the Union Gap's new jackets. Nice. So that was kind of fun. It's kind of fun to see your designs up on stage, you know, in that, in that setting, in a performance. Um, so lots of different, you know, lots of different things. I've worked... I've done some famous people's homes, but, you know, don't talk about it because mm-hmm. non-disclosure things and uh, <laughs> of, of that sort. But um, 
I really would have to boil it down to I am most proud of anybody who says that they're very happy in their home. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay. So finally, I want to ask you both the same question. And that is, uh, so I'll start with Durrett since you have the microphone. In your field, if someone in the younger generation wants to become an interior designer, what advice would you give to them? Ooh, um, go to school, love what you do, make sure that it's um, something that you love to do and not just a job. Uh, I, I, you know, as a self-employed person and, and being married to a self-employed person, I, I've thought about this a lot. Um, we... When we got married, I thought, oh, my God, how is this going to work? Um, he's creative. I'm creative. You know, uh, yikes. But um, we have this respect for each other's space. And I think that if you're a creative person, you need that. So if you if you are looking to become an in- interior designer, I think you need to be able to give yourself space so that your mind can be free. I love that. And it's interesting because, yeah, neither one of you have what you would call a, a nine to five no. job. Yeah, we don't. Um, so, Mike, same same question. Young young drummers who want to do it for a living, they, they you know, what advice would you give somebody today? I would pretty much give them the same advice. I would say, number one, don't do it because um, for fame and fortune. Because if do it because you love it, because you want to do it. And I tell all my students that. You know, I have I have a student right now that's five years old. She's like, I'm teaching her singing and drumming at the same time. That's and, right. We should mention you also sing. You're also a yes, singer. Yes. And I was a singer before I was a drummer, actually. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And do you sing with Gary as well? On everything, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, you have a five-year-old student. Yeah, and, and she's, she's like, uh, she's great, and she sings, and she plays, and um, uh, I have a student that's also in his late 60s and stuff like that. But anyway, young students, I always say... Do this because you really want to do this, because you love this, because that's what's going to take you through all the years. That's what's going to take you through all the studying. I, I tell my, all my drum students, I say, um, you don't do anything wrong. I said, you're learning an art. It's an art, just like with Durette's situation, everything she does, it's, it's about art, you know? And so is music, so is singing, drumming, and, you know... So make sure you love it. Make sure you you study what you want to do. Learn where the music has come from. Just like people in our country need to know where our country came from. You know, it's the same thing. Learn to learn to where, where the music came from, whatever kind of music it is. And music is all one. You know, uh, people have separated music, but music is all one. You know, jazz, for instance. Jazz is America's, uh, for lack of a better term, folk music, okay? Mm -hmm. 
but it's, it's got no boundaries. You know, it's limitless and it's inspired by the world. That's great. That's so great. That's basically where I come from with my students as far as. Well, I really appreciate you guys having this conversation with me. You, you are obviously you're both wonderful people. You're wonderful, creative people. And uh, I can see why you've been together for so long. And uh, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. You have been listening to the Chic Compass Connection podcast. To learn more about Chic Compass magazine, visit chiccompass.com. That's C-H-I-C-C-O-M-P-A-S-S.com. Thanks again to The Vegas Room for hosting us. Visit thevegasroom.com to find out more about this great supper club. This is Jamie Hosmer. Thanks for listening.